0: Are you tired of the fight? Fed up with the struggle? Done. Lying to yourself about, well, maybe the next time. Hold on. We don't believe you've come this far to only come this far. Whether you stumbled on our podcast or connected intentionally, we think you may just be where the next right step of your recovery is about to happen. Faith in your recovery may be just what you need. We have become a true source of help and hope for those battling substance use disorder-slash-addiction. The strugglers, who were once forgotten, cast out, discarded, they're now proving to each other and to everyone else that recovery is possible. Where negativity, desperation, and hopelessness once lived, there's now a path to a healthy and successful future. On this episode, you'll hear from a struggler that rose from the ashes, the lies, the guilt, that sense of worthlessness to a point in their recovery where they're touching, changing, and saving lives. We're glad you're with us. We look forward to sharing with you today. Now, let me welcome today's recovery rock star, Tara Allred welcome Tara. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me.
0: We look forward to what you've got to share. We appreciate your time, your willingness to open yourself up like this, to become vulnerable. But I think you probably agree that's a part of your healing and your recovery. Definitely. Yes.
1: Definitely. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. And it's yeah. a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, we look forward to it with all of our heart and thank you. And folks, make sure after hearing this today, that you subscribe, like, and share what we've got to offer, tell your friends. We'll have more about that later. Tara, let's go back early in your childhood. Okay. Tell us what your growing up years were like, up to that seven or eight-year-old range. Okay. What was home like?
1: Um, I actually had a wonderful childhood, um, loving parents, Christian home, um, you know, uh, older brother, little sister, um, very tight family with uncles, aunts, cousins, grandparents. Um, I remember going to church every week, week, every Sunday, um, we grew up—I grew up in a small community down in southern Indiana up until about second or third grade, and then we moved what to What was that
0: community?
1: Um, it was actually called East Enterprise or Vive, Indiana. Oh, uh, Vive, yeah. I get it. Yep. East yep.
0: Enterprise, I don't—Vive, yep. I do. Yep.
1: Yeah, very small southern gospel town. Um, right on the
0: river, Right yes. on the river,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, I just—like I said, I remember as a young child um, being a believer— um, I I remember asking my dad one Sunday afternoon after church um, if he would help me um, bring Jesus into my heart. Uh, so I was just, again, just a very, um, you know, middle class family, um, but full of love. And, and we, you know, we leaned on each other and I don't have anything but nice, positive memories as a little girl. So. I
0: like what you had to say. We were close knit. Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't. Get that all no. the time anymore, do we? No, that, it's, that's, times have
1: changed. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's sad for everybody yeah. involved. I have a very pleasant memory of VBay. This was years and years ago. We were down that way and we were able to take the ferry across the river mm-hmm. uh, from there. Yeah. And they let our oldest son, our only son at that time, up in the front to where he was thinking he was driving the boat. <laughs> I still treasure yeah, that moment. So.
1: Beautiful community, beautiful oh, town. So.
0: Lovely yep. area there. So Take us on then into your school years okay. as a student.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, in about second or third grade, um, we moved to Muncie, Indiana, and my dad was a, a teacher. Um, he also uh, was in school at the time to, to further his education. My mom worked for Ball State. Um I, again, um, you know, thrived in school, was a good student, um, have nothing but great memories, great childhood. Um, I remember probably in middle school, my dad started having some uh, health issues going on, and he had uh, a lot of heart trouble. I mean, um, by my junior year, he had a quadruple bypass surgery, and I remember going in and out of the hospital with him, and Um, And, you know, that did start to affect my time going to church because my dad was sick all the time. But um, I, you know, in high school had lots of friends. Um, I wasn't the party girl at all. I was actually my nickname was mom. Um, my friends did like to go out and have fun, but I was the one that kind of made sure they got home okay, or you know, um, led them to what's called Young Life. I don't know if you've heard of Young Life. It I was, have,
0: but tell the folks okay. listening. Okay, so Young, young Life, understand. yeah, Young Life
1: is a non-denominational Christian outreach for middle school and high school kids. Um, I joined when I was a freshman in high school, and I think there was maybe you know eight or nine of us, um, and it was basically just a group of kids that. Um, we would do games and skits and sing songs and have, you know, good times. And then there would be like a little Christian lesson. Um, I loved it so much. And I loved that I could, you know, be a part of that because it was part of school and after school. And if I didn't go to church, I at least had that. So I remember bringing my friends all into it. And um, again, just um, my sophomore junior year we went to um camp for that and all of my friends went I think by the time I graduated our club once was eight or nine had over 200 people Wow! yeah so it was it was we went to I went to Muncie Central High School okay and so a cat. yeah so um again I was just I was into sports um what sports I was a softball player, and I also dove for the swim okay. team. So um, I was in band. Um, like I said, just a good kid, good grades, Doing the right morals, things. values. Yeah, I had them. I tried, you know, I remember praying with my friends. I remember my friends making wrong choices, and I would literally get off the phone and cry because I was sad for them. And
0: I want to point something out sure. with that, if I can interrupt you for sure. a second. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are a middle child.
1: Yes, I am. Yes, yes.
0: Boy, you filled that <laughs> role perfect. Wow. I yeah. am myself, yeah. so I can relate. Oh yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. middle child yeah. syndrome. Yep. That rescuer. That overseer. That. Yes. Younger one looking out for the older one and taking care of the youngest. Mm -hmm. Been there, done that. Okay. Definitely, That's not all bad.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no. I do remember a stint of my brother. Um, He was, you know, a little bit older than me, um, dabbling in, you know, some drugs and alcohol and some, you know, some choices that he made that, you know, I don't, I remember thinking as a child, you know, watching him go through it. I was like, man, I, that, that won't be me. I don't want that to be me. Um, you know, I, I worked at, um, as you know, 14 years old, I was already had a job on weekends and, and actually worked with him at one accord restaurant, So I worked as a server. and The
0: soap appears there were incredible (laughs) They were amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, again, I was so close to him, but I do remember some of the choices that he went or some of the trouble that he would get into um, and see my family kind of, you know, deal with that. And I just, that wasn't going to be me, you know? That wasn't going to be me. So, um, you know, leading up, like I said, dad's going through a lot of health trouble, but I was determined to still... um, you know, utilize my morals and values and my faith. Um, you know, I would say that definitely had a traumatic, um, impact on my life with just going on as, you know, up until my, up until recently too, with just since in the hospital with loved ones and losing. And, um, but again, he, you know, pulled through it and is still here today. And, um, so, you know, let's, let's go past high school. Cause again, great, great time, great, Great years. I graduated in 1995 and went to Ball State. Um, most of my friends were younger than me. They were in the grade behind me. So I kind of went off really by myself. So even though I only lived a couple blocks down the road, um, I was, it's an independent shock to a girl, um, again, who, you know, all of a sudden, you know, could go where she wanted, do what she wanted. And, um, I lived in the dorms, I joined a sorority and that will be, um, My first taste of that freedom was joining sorority, and, um, you know, I remember my first party I went to at Ball State um, with the sorority, and I remember drinking alcohol for the very first time, and uh, I loved it.
0: Was that... Fit in. It was. Moment, it was just to try. Believe?
1: Yeah, it was just to try. Everybody was doing it. You know, I'm. You had I'm on my own
0: within that group. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh An yeah. Expectation. Yes. And yes. Yeah. But, yeah. It was. It was. Um. But you know, like I said, everybody was doing it, and I was like, well, why not me too? Let me try it. You know, I'm. I'm a good kid. I've got my head on straight. It'll be okay. I can handle it. Yeah, I can handle it, and. um You know, like I said, I just remember, you know, the the warmth that came over, the freedom of that, like in my head, like no worries, no, you know, um, just it was it was a rush. um, And I'd never felt anything like that before in my life. So, uh, you know. Party here, party there led to party Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then get up and do it all over again. And it got really out of control. Um, I was partying way too much. I almost actually um, uh, flunked out of college my first semester because that's all I did was party. Um,
0: What was your educational direction at that
1: time? At the time, I was actually in um, nursing and I remember changing my major quickly uh, to criminal justice because I didn't like the trajectory of all the classes I had to take for nursing. So then I, you know, I'm dabbling in criminal justice because I loved politics. <laughs> I love to argue. And, uh, and then, like I said, I just remember to just being so lost. Like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be, the pressure of this, the pressure of that. And, and like I said, going out with my friends, I didn't have to worry about any of that. That was the least of my concerns. And, you know, um, again, I I guess too, just making all new friends and leaving the ones I had behind, I was reinventing myself and I didn't know who that person was. I, I think losing, um, Losing the friends I had because they still were in high school, I had to re refine myself, find sure. purpose again, and I didn't know how to do it. So, um, I was also young; I was seventeen, my freshman year of college. So very, very immature, still, you know, and easily
0: swayed. Easily, very easily it's a swayed. Big world. Yeah.
1: Well, and and I found that when I was partying, I got a lot of attention. Um, you know, I was a small small, small girl, um, and could drink a lot of the older, you know, bigger guys under the table. And I loved that. I, I loved the attention for getting that. Yeah. I was, yeah. I had high tolerance, um, until I had no tolerance. So, you know, eventually though that, that wasn't fun anymore for me. Cause I, you know, I, I went back to my faith. Like, you know, God never left me during those times. I may have walked in straight away from him, but he was still there picking up the pieces. So, you know, it was a big, a big smack to the face when here I was, you know, a good student and I almost flunked out of school and so went back to my ways again. I became actually a young life leader. Um kinda they pulled me out of my my uh, my depths of alcohol and the partying and all that. And so I really focused in on that and um Lost my grandma, I guess I was a sophomore in college, lost my grandma, and that was a big head. She was a very matriarch of the family, um, very spiritual woman who kind of held all of us together spiritually. Mm-hmm, very much so. So um, I remember my parents going through something major. um while I was leading a camp, um, one summer and it, it rocked our, it rocked our world. My dad, you know, it was kind of like a midlife crisis for him, but I, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones. So here I am, um, in camp, you know, Four states away, I was in Wisconsin, and um, I get a call from my mom, and she's bawling, and she's like, "Your dad left me," and so I, you know, I'm I'm helpless, hopeless. I hadn't, I couldn't save her, right? I'm I'm a saver. I'm very codependent, so very codependent. Um, I didn't know that then, but I know that now, and so uh, you know. Was
0: that totally out of the It blue? was. But yeah, they the had a situation. great marriage.
1: They had a great marriage. Um, of course, they argued. Um, my dad was in Vietnam, so he had a lot of PTSD. And there was some anger stuff that he had, but sure. he, he went to counseling and he was working on it, you know. And, again, I was daddy's little girl. And I tell you, when he when he left and took off, um, he became a human to me, you know, and I fell off that pedestal I had. So that was, that was a shock to my system. And I did, I came back and I, I immediately said I couldn't stay here. I didn't want to be in the middle of it. And they were going to work on things, which was great. So I took off to Tennessee and uh, I wanted, again, young life was a connection for me. So I decided to transfer to Middle Tennessee State University and, um, became a Young Life leader down there. And actually we, we started um, a Young Life club down there. It was brand new. So I got to help start that and went down there by myself, reinventing myself again, you know, finding new friendships. But I was very, very spiritually connected. Um, and again, well on my way, um, doing big things. And um, I met my, my first husband down there. And um, I was 22 at the time um, and was with him and fell in love. And um, we ended up having a baby and got married. And um, I remember his father passed away at, um, very, very quickly. I was still pregnant with Tyler at the time and something happened within my first husband and he kind of snapped and I found myself...
0: Was that at the time of was, his dad's yeah, it was, death? Yeah, it was, it, was okay.
1: yep, it was at the time of my, his Part, dad's most death. Most
0: likely related.
1: Yes, okay. yes. Okay. Um, but I actually learned a lot through that that I didn't know was there before, but, um, he was, um, he became very violent. Um, so I went through a very, um, horrible marriage of domestic abuse. Um, so, you know, but here I am, I'm married. Um, and, uh, in my faith, we don't divorce. We try to work things out. So I stuck it out, you know, I stuck through it. Um, little by little with every abuse there was, um, I was
0: more physical than anything it was a little bit that- of
1: everything actually it was okay. it started off mentally and emotional um I could go back and see some of the red flags there but then it after like I said after he passed away his dad passed away um it became more physical okay. um and you know uh
0: it's usually a package
1: it yeah yeah then and yeah like I said so then you know uh, I coped what did I how did I cope I coped with alcohol Turned again, back. turned back to alcohol. You know, um, uh, he and I drank together a lot and had fun, and you know during the times. But then there was, you know, times where we didn't have fun with it, and it got really ugly. And but again, I was had a baby. You know, was trying to make things work. Um, how, and
0: how old is the baby at this point?
1: Um, baby's six months old. Kay um, six months old. And you, I remember, um, having a major blowout, um, with his, with the father of, of Tyler and, uh, and I, I ran back home. Um, so I came back home with this, that wasn't nothing new, um, in the, in the marriage. I was married to him for 12 years. So again, I just, I, I saw the good. I saw, you know, um, what I, what I felt he could be, um, I was, you know, I had, had two babies with him, actually. So Tyler was uh, three when I had Rachel. And um, it wasn't all bad, but when it was bad, it was really bad. And and my self-esteem and my self-worth, um, you know, I didn't, I, I lost her. They had to plummet. So, yeah, very much so. So, again, it was just um, a lot of abuse. But I ran home a few times, and then I'd come back. And I, I had a good support system just from friends I've made down in California in Columbia, Tennessee. And, um, you know, I just, I couldn't walk away from the marriage. So the alcohol, um, became my crutch. It was, um, you know, every night I'd have a couple drinks to just to go to sleep. Um, and then I would party on the weekends just so I could numb the pain, or maybe I had to physically numb the pain. So alcohol did it. You know, I didn't feel anything when I was drunk. Right. So, um, it just, it got completely out of control, and I, it, it was probably a good two, three years um, of really bad um, blackouts and, and hard times, and...
0: A couple, three years of heavy use Heavy of the usage, The alcohol yep, and the yep. physical yep. dynamics. Yes, yes,
1: okay. yes. So, um, I was, I actually, during that whole time, I finished my degree. Um, I was a special ed teacher, and worked... How did
0: you manage that?
1: I... I, by the grace of God, honestly, yeah, I, I just, I did. I, I, you know, I had two beautiful children and, um, you know, I was the only thing they had. And, you know, I knew I had to continue to do what I was supposed to do. Was that the
0: goal that got you through that darkness? Now, I know God was in there. Yeah, he was. But I'm not hearing you say yet, and I know you're going to, Mm -hmm. that he was the one that pulled you out. But in order for you to stay above water, to keep your head above water, focusing on that degree gave you something positive. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and because a lot of the emotional and mental abuse, I remember him saying, you know, you're nothing without me. Um, You know, if you ever leave me, Um, who's going to want you with two kids. I mean, it was, like I said, it was, it was very, very, very rough. Um, And I believe those lies, you know, like, so I just, again, but it was something that I did on my own that I accomplished myself. So, you know, I, I just, I did it, you know, I, I, I made it work. Um, I was working full time while I was doing it. So I'm supporting um, the family working full time and, and had two children and, um, you know, I look back and yeah, it's probably during the time. I didn't know how I did it, but I, <laughs> but I did it. Congratulations. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, God had a purpose and you know, it wasn't, um, you know, I still dabbled in church too, even though I was drinking There's Sometimes I drank before church just to get through. Um, you know, it got so bad that I was, you know, drinking to cover up the shakes, um, And then sometimes, you know, once that drop of alcohol hit, I was off to the races for a few days, binging in and out, you know, coming to, um, trying to be manageable with it because I had two kids. But there was times where I definitely wasn't, you know, and and, um, you know, not saying that I wasn't the perfect wife or the perfect mom, you know, because, again, I, I honestly think the grace of God, you know, raised my kids. You know, I know Matt the father was there and did what he could, but, you know, a lot of that was was subject to some of the abuse that I was going through every sure. single day. So 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 anyways, um, you know, finally working, um, but still, you know, trying not to quit. I remember the the crazy and insanity thinking of um, you know, I'd have a, a binge weekend. That's usually what would happen is I wouldn't drink so much during the week. But on the weekends I would just, you know, just go crazy with it. And, um, you know, I would drink beer on Sundays just to sober up, you know. So, and, and like I said, just the insanity of it. Um, but it got to where I just couldn't control it anymore. And I had to drink in the mornings before school um, just to function, just to get through the work day. And, eventually that got so bad to where I'd have to do it on my lunch break just to get through the shakes. You know, I would go off, off campus, um, and, you know, have lunch. But then as soon as, you know, after school was, I was off to the races again. And, and that happened for a a couple months. I remember, um, my, you know, my, the, the administration knew I was, you know, they, they, they definitely knew I was, um, struggling. Um, They knew about the abuse and they they tried, you know, I remember one principal telling me, hey, I'll go to a meeting with you. Let's go to a meeting. And so I eventually checked myself into a detox and got detoxed. And that lasted for about a good month or two. Um, But then I I continued again. Mind you, the abuse is still going on. I've kicked him out or he's come back. And usually I kicked him out and he'd he'd, some way, somehow he would beg me to come back or, um, you know, say all the sweet things that, you know.
0: You've already described yourself as codependent, so he had a a lead up on that respect, and the manipulation of those who struggle with addiction is beyond the norm.
1: Definitely, definitely. So, you know, um, I ended up, like I said, relapsing after that, and and relapse is not unfamiliar in my my story, but um, I um, remember... um, I was a assistant softball coach and, um, after school, when I was coaching, I, I didn't drink until I got home, but s- something happened after school to where, um, I remember we were outside practicing and all of a sudden a rush of administration are coming at me. And, um, I asked them, you know, what's going on. They're like, get in the office. And I went in and, um, I don't remember doing it. Probably one of those blackouts. Cause like I said, um, I, you know, not not, you know,
0: Yes, they were during regular. lunch,
1: they were regular, frequent. Um, but I had emptied, um, bottles from my car into one of the trash cans. So that put me on a path of, oh no, I'm may lose my license. Right. So, um, I was suspended for time until there was a hearing. And, um, I remember again, just drinking for the next week or so, just, you know, just to not feel anything and not deal with anything. And so, um, I'm get on Facebook at the time and I see where my family is asking for lots of prayer and that really bothered me. So I remember calling my mom and saying, what's going on? Why, why am I finding out something's bad happening on Facebook? And she was like, cause it's about you. We're on our way to come get you. And I was like, okay. And they're like, we're going to put you into a, A facility, a treatment center. And so they came down and, and I just cried. I, I, I wanted it. I needed it. I, it was, but I didn't know how to ask for it. So the fact that they intervened for me was, was amazing. So they took my two kids, um, back home with them to Indiana. And I went into Cumberland Heights in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a 28 day facility. And, um, again, jumped right in after I, you know, got out of the fog and detox. I remember just, um, again, having that spiritual awakening and they were, um, a 12 step facility. So they incorporated a lot of step works, which I, um, am drawn to and, 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 you know, care very much about. And, um, but insurance was a big part of things back then. And, um, I was still married at the time, to, to the abuser. And, and, um, I was set free at 14 days. So I didn't get to sit, stay my whole 28. And I, when that, when I found that out, I was scared, scared to go back, you know, here I was 14 days sober, hadn't been sober and, you know, a very long time. And, um, I, I didn't want to lose what I had, but I knew if I went back, I was scared that I was just going to jump right back into it because he didn't change anything. Right. He didn't have any help. So, yeah, yeah. um, so I, I did, I go back and, um, I'm praying and praying and, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm telling him, you know, I'll try to make this work. You know, I'm owning up to, to my, my side of the the street and all the problems I had, and I'm trying to change who I am. And, um, a week after I got home, Randy, he picked up my drink of choice, which was whiskey. Now, mind you, he, didn't drink as much as I did, not as frequent. Um, but, um, you know, it took him a week to him not drinking at all to finally he's, he started. And so here I am, you know, let's see a month, a month sober, maybe three weeks sober. And, um, you know, my husband's now drinking my drink of choice,
0: Your biggest, my biggest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, um, I decided, okay, I've, I've got to beat this. I've got to got to figure this out. So I immediately started going into meetings where the 12-step programs was. Those were AA meetings. And um, I, again, was not working at the time um, because it was summer at this point. And um, I went to a meeting in the morning then I went to a meeting at lunch, and then I went to a meeting in the evening. And that was, I had a, a routine and a schedule. Um, and I did that, you know, every single day. Um, I had people watching my kids. And, and a lot of the times I brought my kids to the meetings with me. So, um, but I did, I was very successful at that. and And after about, oh, Three or four months of me, you know, being around him. Mind you, he's still drinking, and now he's getting really, really bad. I just said I can't do it anymore. So, um, I filed for divorce and I moved back to Indiana. So, um, came back to Indiana. And newly divorced, um, living with my parents, and dive right into um, my license again, and, and I didn't lose it. Thankfully, um, I work. You know, I, by the grace of God, I didn't lose it, so I was able to continue working, and I did that here in Indiana. Um, so a couple of years later, I meet my second husband, and my second husband was a an evangelist. Um, I was still again going to meetings and. Um, he was someone I went to high school with and um, very drawn to him, you know, spiritually. And we end up getting married. Um, he had three kids of his own and I had two. So we we're like the Brady Bunch, I say. But I had three bonus kids um, and life was really, really good. Um, life was wonderful um, for at least six or seven years. Um, just a beautiful marriage. Um, I didn't know I could have love like that. You know, I was, again, leading you know, five kids to be warriors for Christ. I was by his side as he was sharing his testimony. And and he had one too, um, you know, and that's that's another story maybe I can share sometime. But he um, eventually, um, seven years after we were married, he was diagnosed with ALS.
0: Explain that.
1: So ALS is, um, it's Lou Gehrig's disease, another name for it. But it is a neurological disease that basically shuts down all of your physical, um, um, your limbs, um, head. I had yeah. a
0: dear friend who went through it. And I walked yeah. through a bunch of it. with Devastating is Anything I ever watched
1: happen, Randy, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Not Uh, that I have anything, thankfully, but I, I wouldn't um, to see someone lose that. And basically, what happens is, is your mind is still very much a part of you. You don't lose your mind, um, but you lose the ability to walk, to um, feed yourself, to talk. It
0: would take him forty-five minutes to button up a five-button shirt to come to church, and he would do that. Yep. Uh, The things I've watched, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Listen, Tara we've got about another 10, 12 minutes here. Okay. Tell us about that loss and what that led to. And then we want to hear you recover.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, let's go a little bit. Like I said, so he had that. It was very fast and progressive with him. He had it for about 18 months and we lost him. During that whole time, I was his caregiver. So um, I'm working, um, but I'm I'm using all my, you know, sick days and, and all that stuff so I can stay home with him. He ended up, getting a tracheotomy, um, because eventually you, um, you die basically because you can't breathe. Um, so, um, after he got the tracheotomy, I, I lost him within two to three months. Um, it was very quick. Um, but he was, he was my support. Um, so at the end of his, at at the end of losing him, I had nine years of recovery by that time. And, um, I found myself two to three months later, um, trying it out again, lost it. So I remember walking in, um, and I just, I picked up where I left off, Randy. Um, it was very, very quick. Um, I was out for about a month and a half. Um, by now those two children that went to AA meetings with me, um, I couldn't fool them anymore, right? So it was very, very hard. Um, but I immediately found myself back in the rooms, um, and so grateful I did. Um, I have a great support system, great recovery family. Um, I I actually found this group called Rihanna's Hope, um, and I, I went just so I could bring my kids because I wanted them off my back while I was drinking, right? And I'm like, well, if I'm going to meetings, then they'll think I'm okay. The insanity of it is, is kind of um, just... Um,
0: the insanity's uh, insane. It, it right? is. You're
1: right. Yeah, and it's <laughs> very insane. So I... Um, Anyways, I go, but the the people there, they still, you know, they reach out to my kids even to this day, and, and that was over a year and a half ago, you know, and they, um, you know, they always ask me how they're doing. It's just a wonderful community, but uh, not only with Brianna's Hope, but my recovery family is through that 12-step program, and I have um, sober sisters today, and um, just just a blessing of people that actually... Um, are a part of my life. And, and I I give back and that's part of my recovery is the service work. I'm now actually leading um, the Delville chapter at Brianna's Hope. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do was the community when I lost Eric rallied around me and my family and were there. So I wanted to give back. And this was my way of giving back to that community um, through recovery and just showing people that, you know, relapse was a part of my story. And and I, you know, I've knocked my head a few times and by the grace of God, I'm, I'm back and and life is beautiful. You know, God never left me. I left him and um, I can see that now, you know, and
0: recovery happens. It does. It doesn't have to keep you down.
1: Yeah. No, Uh, no.
0: Yeah. You're telling us. Yeah. And I think
1: the biggest thing that I want that I want listeners to hear is, you know, there's not one thing that I went through in my life, you know, abuse, losing a loved one, death, you know, a childhood where your dad was sick, you know, whatever it may be. There's nothing that um, someone in the in, in the recovery community hasn't gone through that won't be right there with you. You know, it's it's not an I program. It's a we program. <laughs> we are there for each other. And and I never have to do this alone. Nothing. I just lost an aunt a couple weeks ago who was like a sister to me. My recovery family was there through the whole thing, you know, asking if I'm okay, you know. And I didn't drink through it. That's a win. <laughs> <Amen> <laughs> so The so,
0: support is what we all need. Yeah. You know, we all hunt for a place we can fit when we fit in a circle. Of love and support and kindness and generosity and good direction. Wow.
1: Yeah. We've
0: we've got a foundation. Obviously, God's that key cornerstone. Oh, definitely. We get that.
1: Definitely. But
0: the rest of that adds so much to it. Right. So, Tara, let me kind of wrap this up. The name of our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery. Do those four words mean to you? Obviously there's no one definition or explanation. Yeah. yeah. How does that speak to your heart? Well, and you know experience.
1: I know that. The big thing is is if if we have faith, we, we don't have fear. And fear was the driving force behind my addiction, my alcoholism. I was afraid of, of the unknown. I was afraid of being by myself. I was afraid of losing my dad, you know, a little bit of everything. And when I have faith, um, that fear is, is silenced. And so faith in my recovery is knowing exactly what I just said, that it doesn't matter what happens today. I have, I have people in recovery, they've gone through it and I'm not alone in any of this. So faith in my recovery is knowing that I can go through anything. Um, God will never leave me. And you know, there's, there's a team of people beside me that that want me to be successful in this too.
0: What is that one piece of advice that you want to leave folks with?
1: I think the one piece of advice is that, you know, um, is just, just don't drink, just don't use, um, pick up the phone, you know, um, go to a meeting, um, you know, anything that, like I said, that you can do, um, is to get out, you know, play the tape through. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that was one thing that, you know, we all think about. We have those thoughts of of addiction or of we we, we physically think about it, you know, in our minds is, okay, think about if I drink today, what happens next? So I say play the tape through, you know, what happens next? I
0: like that. So,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: You've got to know the whole story, yep. not just that yep. moment that right. you're numbing or Right. Celebrating or partying. Yeah. What's the aftermath?
1: Right. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Wow.
0: Tara, thank you.
1: Yeah. Uh, your thank story you. is
0: powerful. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, just share it. I'm seeing folks out there shaking their head. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've mm-hmm. done that. I've got those same scars. And by you sharing this, they have somebody they can relate to now. Uh, folks of Faith in Your Recovery, We believe recovery is like a rainbow. Nobody can see a rainbow without sharing it with someone else. Rainbows aren't secrets. We also believe you can't experience recovery without telling others. Recovery, it shouldn't be a secret either. So hang in there, hold on, keep trusting God. Tara said it over and over. He's going to be there regardless. Your friends, family may turn their back. He's there looking you eyeball to eyeball, ready to hold your hand and lead you forward. So, again, we invite you to subscribe, like, and share. Tune in again. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery. God bless. Amen.